Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast. I think this is podcast 42. We've been kind of plugging along with these and... I usually do a pretty good job of writing these down, but I've had some technical issues with some of the podcasts, and so we're actually bouncing around a little bit. But I'm really excited to bring uh, today's guest with you today. I'm actually here live with him at his house. He's actually one of my leadership coaches. So we've talked about a little bit in the past about how the importance of having a leadership coach, the importance of uh, investing in yourself, and, and really trying to find ways to make yourself better as a person. But at the same time, having people around you that are willing uh, to or have the permission to coach you and, and having those kind of coaches uh, really helps take you to that next level. They help you see the blind spots that you potentially wouldn't see and ultimately uh, allow you to become a more well-rounded individual. And uh, so today we get to talk to my coach, uh, Dr. Nathan Baxter. Dr. Nathan Baxter has been helping people move their stories forward for over 20 years. He has developed a unique coaching practice and resources to help people break out of plateaus. Dr. Baxter has provided training for leaders around the world, and as a certified consultant with Berkman International, Dr. Baxter's coaching team, Lead Self, Lead Others, also provides personalized leadership coaching using the Berkman feedback tool. Nate, I'm gonna call you Nathan, because you've, yeah, you've told me to call, call me you Nathan. Nathan. That's right. First and foremost, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you, first of all, taking the time to do this, but also, uh, taking the time to invest in me. It's a privilege. I've I've enjoyed getting to know you. We've worked together about a year. Yeah, a little year over a year now. Yeah. yeah. So you're doing good. Keep going. Uh, yeah. Well, you're letting me come back, so I'll take that as good news. Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons that I wanted to have you on today is I know that your your big focus is really helping people get out from being stuck, help them get out of uh, the different plateaus that they have. But that actually came from a personal experience that you had. So if you don't mind, let's give everyone a little bit of context. Uh, I you know, obviously gave a little bit of an intro, but what really drew you to leadership coaching? That's a very specific type of uh, vocation. Uh, and, and what I'm really curious about is, is why leadership coaching and why helping others become better leaders? Yeah, well, I'm 55 today. This, uh, my first questions about who I was and what I wanted to do when I grew up started about 38, mm -hmm. 39. Most of my career has been in full-time ministry. So for 28 years, I was either a youth pastor, associate pastor, senior pastor, and executive pastor. So around the age 38, 39, I started uh, asking myself the question, do I want to do this for another 20 years? So I took a year off from full-time ministry, and in that process, I re-engaged the church and went back to work in full-time ministry. Uh, I left the senior pastor position, and I thought I would try the executive pastor position because I didn't really enjoy Sundays, mm -hmm. which is a problem when you're the senior <laughs> pastor. That's not cool. It's kind of the whole point. Yeah, that, that's what my wife said. Yeah. But I love Monday mornings. 
I love talking about, you know, the parking lot, the air conditioning, the problems we had, operational issues. And mm -hmm. that's why I felt more comfortable going back into church work as an executive pastor. Four years into that, I kind of had the same itch of, do I want to do this the rest of my career? And that's when I started really seeking some help and some input into um, what, where do I really want to invest my life? Uh, I, was, I wasn't midlife, but I was getting there. Mm -hmm. And I was getting more gray hair. And I kind of hit all the buckets of success in that particular industry. Um, and I took an assessment that kind of really gave me permission to explore who I really was. Mm -hmm. And what I came to understand is I don't enjoy being inside of an organization. <laughs> so uh, the only way to do that is to go out on your own. Yeah. So I spent two years investigating what I want to do. I have a good entrepreneurial bent in me. Uh, I love business. I have a business degree. Uh, what I landed on was I really enjoy one-on-one -on -one conversations with leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, all leaders, but it, I, I do better with executive leaders because that's what I was. Mm -hmm. uh, where a lot of people reporting to me, I don't report to too many people. So I just started exploring coaching. I didn't really know what to call it back then. Yeah. Um, and uh, somewhere about 20 guys in, a guy offered me some money to coach him. And I said, well, I just do this for free on the side. It was kind of a hobby. Right. Um, and I was getting pretty good at it. I really enjoyed it. It was very rewarding. And I said, okay. So I think he gave me 500 bucks or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he told me when he left, he said, look, you really helped me today. I was going to pay somebody. Why mm -hmm. not pay you? Yeah. You have a gift. You have a passion for it. You've got skills. You ought to consider this full time. And that kind of gave me the springboard to get serious about could I ever make it as a leadership coach? Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of, it was a very sloppy journey there, <laughs> but I got there. Yeah. So that was probably 12, 14 years ago. Well, you did say something <clears throat> earlier in there where you're talking about where you took kind of an assessment of yourself. Yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, when I was getting to know you, that, that assessment of yourself was actually a really turning point for you in terms of really understanding yourself. Uh, because I think uh, you... If I remember correctly, you felt a little bit differently about yourself than whatever everybody else thought in terms of your leadership style. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm a I'm naturally a very confident, outgoing, forceful uh, personality. Mm -hmm. So I really think I'm pretty amazing most of the time. And my boss came to me and said, "We appreciate your work, but you're hurting people. <laughs> <laughs> We're a church." You know, yeah. we're not supposed to be doing that here. Yeah. And I was really clueless. I really didn't understand what he was saying. He said, I've hired you a coach mm -hmm. to come in. He's going to give you an assessment. He's going to try and teach you who you are. And that's what I, that's the first time I experienced the Berkman yeah. assessment tool out of Houston. Yeah. So this guy comes in and walks me through these pages. And I, every time I turned the page, it was real, but I didn't like it. Yeah. But I couldn't argue with it. It's really who I was. And that was one of the greatest gifts I've ever experienced is I finally had a, a, a way to clearly see myself for who I was. Yeah. And I think if you don't have that full vision of who you are, then those were those blind spots that I talked about in the beginning are is, is that 
you you may think that you're doing a fantastic job. You may think that you're leading very, very well, but you'll have these hurdles or these hindrances where you're just like, why is why is this not clicking? And I think that's I think that kind of ties into those plateaus that you talk about mm-hmm. when people get stuck is I don't think that they truly understand that there's areas in their life that they're missing uh, that are either hurting people or that they ha- are not creating the trust that people need. Or maybe it's just an attitude thing. And you may think that your attitude's great and you just need an attitude adjustment. But unless you actually sit down and see it on paper or have somebody kind of coach you through it and kind of say, okay, here's what happens when you do this. And if you did this instead, here's what could happen. It really allows you to get a better picture of how to be a better leader. Yeah, the, 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 the big switch, the, I would say the Berkman was the chisel mm-hmm. that opened me up to new thinking, but the real impetus for thinking about a career change came when I realized uh, I started measuring myself against my potential mm. instead of against my peers. Right. Because I will just out-hustle, out-work, out-think uh, as a competitor, and so I would I would measure my performance based on how I was performing against the next guy. Right. Well, you just got to work harder. Yeah. And win. But when I started thinking about who God really made me to be and what my potential was, that's when I saw the gap. Yeah. And that's when I knew, okay, I really got to up my game and change. I'm never going to really experience what all the things that he's laid out for me to experience. So you saying that you were successful in a lot of things that you <clears throat> really put your hand to because you were willing to outwork and really push yourself beyond what most people would do. So you saw success in other things. But it wasn't your true success, or you, you weren't achieving true success because you weren't achieving what you were created to do? Yeah. I, and no, I was successful just about in everything I did, or I didn't do it. Yeah. So if I don't win, I'm the guy that if I can't win, I'm taking my toys and going home. <laughs> I don't do second place very well. Yeah. It's, just, I, it's, a, it's a habit. It's a problem. I'm working on it. But first place is where I like to stand. Well, hold on. I'll back up. Now, why is that a problem? Because that seems like with having that drive and having uh, that desire to be number one is a good thing. So are you saying that there's things about that are, that are bad? They're very bad. Traffic. Um, birthday parties with little children where you run them over <laughs> to win. Board games with family members. Yeah. Uh, so this, this great power that I'm able to harness can be very destructive <laughs> In the wrong settings, but I just have one gear. Right. Win. Yeah, bulldoze. Just. Period. Period. Doesn't matter what we're doing. The the worst thing I ever did that I finally said, okay, you've got to deal with this, mm-hmm. is when I found myself in I think I was in Kmart, and I'm coming up to the register, and an elderly lady was in front of me, and I just walked a little quicker and acted like I didn't see her, and and got in front of her. Yeah. I thought I've got problems. <laughs> You didn't want to get stuck behind her in line, though, right? Right. I, I, hey, I, I wanted to win. I kind of... That was I, I don't a, feel bad for you on that one. That, that was a, <laughs> I said, okay, this is out of control. Yeah. So God used the Berkman, uh, my, my work setting, my own realization, and then I had a, a mentor that I still have today. He's been with me over 30 years that has consistently worked with me and helped me understand myself. Well, I would say that, especially having somebody that would invest in you and say, you know what, I need to have a coach. I need to have somebody work with you so that you can see this. I think that's great. But 
What would you say to some of the people that are listening to this podcast that basically have not had anyone say that to them yet? Um, and it's kind of going to be their own self-realization. Maybe this podcast is that realization that yeah. they do need something. What are some things that they can do to kind of uh, start down that journey, start down that path to really kind of rediscovering themselves uh, to kind of see where some of those blind spots are? Well, I have two sons. One's 25, one's 23 and a half. And um, I've tried to, to educate them about what the 20s are all about, what the 30s are all about, what the 40s are all about, what the 50s. Well, they don't remember anything about except for the 20s. You know? right. But when they turn 30, they'll, they'll be saying, hey, Dad, would you remind me? <laughs> 20s is all about getting established. Mm -hmm. I want a title. I want a job. I want identity. I want to prove that I've actually done something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm here. 30s is about now that I kind of know who I am, I want to excel. Right. I want to achieve. 40s, you start to get um, a little more tired and you're a little bit more selective on burning the energy. So the 30s, for most 30 30-year-olds that I've burnt, or excuse me, that I've worked with, it's about getting them to have balance of life. Right. Because they will just burn all types of emotional fuel. So what I've tried to do is to understand which particular season of life I am as a man mm -hmm. and make the adjustments accordingly so that I'm, I'm living a balanced, healthy life. I like that because and for me, like, so I'm in my 30s right now going, uh, I feel like I'm just barreling down on 40. But, you know, kind of what you're talking about there is realizing that each decade, each um, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, there's essentially something that you're trying to achieve. There's some sort of goal to it. And I think that ties into the self-leadership is, is identifying, all right, if based on where I'm at right now, what should I be working on? What should I, what should I do? But knowing that there's a whole new set of things coming up in your, in your 40s and then into your 50s. And, and I, I believe it ultimately leads to you know, legacy and everything else. But you, you kind of need to develop and create those different levels of success in those different age groups. And if you don't achieve that in your 20s, you can still do that in your 30s, right? It's just it's going to take a little bit longer or you got to work harder or how does that work? Well, the <clears throat> kind of go back to a little bit better answer for you on your question. Um, a, a, sort of a checklist with any guy that comes in here that I kind of have to see, give him a little bit of an audit on how he's doing in self-leadership is, mm -hmm. does he have a good sense of identity? Does he really know who he is? Mm -hmm. uh, what is the image or the... What is he trying to portray to others who meet him? And, and guys, we're the, we're the worst. Yeah. Because you go to any social mixer, you go to a luncheon, and hi, my name is, and in the next five minutes, both guys will deliver the information they want the other person to know about them. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, hey, let me just give you my resume, even though you're not asking, and I'll do it in a, in a cool way. But here's what I want you to know about me, you know, yeah. where I work, where I grew up, whatever we're trying to push. So I want to make sure they have a good, healthy sense of identity. The other thing is, do they really understand what they're doing on the planet? Mm -hmm. you know, why, why are you here? That's what, a, what, what that's a big role? topic right there. Yeah, what's your purpose? Yeah. Um, and the younger we are, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But we've got enough rocket fuel, who cares? Right. We just hustle. So as we mature in age, we have to mature in our identity and our understanding and our purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's why a, a, probably the most common demographic for me to work with are 45 to 55. Mm -hmm. Because the kids are kind of in their lane. We've kind of had some successes, some losses. 
we're starting to get a little bit more tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't care about some things that we used to care about, and we start asking bigger questions. Yeah. But um, with even my young guys, when they were in high school, we talked about the plateau, mm-hmm. self-discovery, self-awareness, um, purpose, identity. Is the plateau what people would consider the midlife crisis? Is that is that essentially what no, it looks like? No, you can like? have a plateau anytime you have a um, lack of direction and purpose. Uh-huh. So that's why kids can blow through four years of college and come out and th- they're majoring what they want to do for a living are two, two things. Yeah. Um, so they've plateaued out so they didn't apply themselves during college or they didn't apply themselves in high school. Mm-hmm. In your 20s, most of us get married there, and so, uh, and we're just doing whatever we're trying to earn our way, earn our stripes, get some promotions here and there. Yeah, um, and we don't think much about where we're going in life, we're just trying to pay the rent. Yeah, so a plateau happens anytime you're, you're just spinning your wheels, you're working hard, you're exerting a lot of energy, focus, and resources, but you're not convinced anymore you're going anywhere. Mm. That's what sort of is the definition of the plateau. And that can happen on any level. So any 20s, level. 30s, 40s, it yeah. can happen anywhere in there. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you brought up kind of blowing through college and then your your purpose and your degree say two different things. That, that was actually me. Um, whenever I went to college, I was good at computers and, and learning how to make programs work and do that stuff. So I thought, well, that's what I need. That's what my career needs to be. I need to be... Uh, a programmer, I need to you know, help technology companies, or I need to do something along those lines. And it wasn't until we did my Berkman and really did an analysis of who I am that I realized that for whatever reason, and maybe this was just that this is what my uh, actual strengths drew me to, but when I got out of college, it wasn't the jobs that I was looking for uh, available. So I kind of reverted back to what I knew, which was sales uh, and Ultimately, through you know people seeing in me what I didn't see at the time, I actually worked myself into a role that I was successful in. Mm-hmm. That now, when I took the Berkman, I was like, well, if I had known that before college, <laughs> I would have gotten the right degree. And the funny thing was, is it wouldn't have taken too much to be a couple clicks over and yeah. have done that. Um, so, I, so I do want to say this, especially to our audience, because our audience is that younger generation, and you may have just graduated college or, you know, hopefully we're, we're getting to you before then, but really if you can find out who you are, find out what your strengths are, and then even look to find, and I think the Berkman does this, it actually makes suggestions for the types of careers mm-hmm. that would best fit your personality. Uh, really take a good look at something like that before you get into real heavy education because it's going to save yourself a lot of time. I, I've told my boys already, I said, unless you know exactly what you're going to do and there's pretty much concrete evidence that you're going to be successful at that in terms of these are your strengths and, and you know we've really kind of dug into it, uh, we're not going to go to a major college right off the bat. We're just going to get in there and get the core classes out of the way, and then we're going to start specializing after that. Once you have a better understanding of who you are, and I believe that a Berkman or some sort of test is going to be uh, a personality test or strengths test will be in line for them because I want them to truly know like if they're passionate about this, that, and the other thing, I want to find what are some careers that are going to make sense for that. And then I want you to actually go in and try those things out and make sure it's really a fit for you. When I, when I hire people at my real job, one of the big questions I always ask them is when I'm looking at their, it's not just 
are you capable of doing the work? Once I've qualified that I believe they're capable, my next question is, do you want to do the work? Mm-hmm. And, and what, I, what I mean by that is I'll actually have them sit down in most cases and see what the work is. I'll, I'll say, you, you can be here for 30 minutes, you can be here for four hours, I don't care how long it is, but I want you to see exactly what this is. And I want you to tell me if this is something that you want to do and you believe that you'll be good at. Because if, you're, if your heart's not in it, and you don't feel like it's helping you exercise your strengths, it doesn't matter if you're capable of doing it, you're not going to be happy, and that's going to overflow into the work. Yeah, what you're on to, let me give you some te- technical terminology there. Okay. So you've mentioned strengths. Uh-huh. Um, you, the other thing we have to look at to get an accurate read is what are your stress triggers mm-hmm. and your stress behaviors, but the one that you've tapped into, and you, you, that's an awesome way to, as a favor, courtesy to a potential new employee, is let them take a look because yeah. they're going to see it anyway. But what you're really tapping into is their energizers. Mm-hmm. So just because someone is naturally good at it, you use the word capable, doesn't mean that they can sustain energy mm-hmm. in doing that because every activity either drains your energy emotionally right. or it adds to it so for example when i'm out back smoking meat uh-huh. that's one of my energy i knew we were going to get on this yeah, topic <laughs> I'm gonna get you my energy level goes up right and i love it it's mm-hmm. a passion of mine when i have to invoice customers my energy level just drains mm-hmm. but i do it because i like to get checks and eat and pay for houses and stuff <laughs> but when we're selecting a career, the younger we are, we we think I can just suck it up and I can just do it. Mm-hmm. And it's true. The older we get, the more we realize I'm really good at this. Matter of fact, I'm told I'm very successful. Mm-hmm. The problem is I just don't have the, the desire to do it anymore. And right. that's when you can really get stuck. Yeah. So paying attention to what naturally motivates you. I just had a couple in here an hour ago, and one of the messages I had to give them is God worked pretty hard and on purpose to create you very, very unique. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one of the cool things about God. Every human being we meet is another signature of his one of a kind. That's right. why DNA stands up or a retina scan in a court of law. It's unique. Well, every person is unique. The Bible talks about he... He worked hard to form you a specific way in your mother's womb. So as we get out into life, it's a good idea to pay attention to what he worked so hard to create because that's when you're going to naturally thrive. So what we tend to do is ignore that for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people, if you are passionate about something or you're interested in something or you're naturally gifted at something, pay attention. Yeah. Because that's... You're, you're headed towards what God's plan for your life is. So how do you tap into like really knowing what, what, what's passion and what's more just fun? So I, I know that there's things that I enjoy doing um, or there's things that I just, I will do them and, and the time flies by. But what would you say are your kind of litmus tests for actually identifying true passions? Um, anything you can do for a sustained period of time. Mm-hmm. So I can do anything for a day. Right. There's very few things I can do for a year. Yeah. And still be energized, motivated, excited, like I'm on the smoking. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pumped because July 4th, 
I'm taking my smoker to Texas, and I'm going to have meat discipleship class. I got four guys coming that are going to be at the lake with us, and they want to learn how to smoke. Yeah. I already got my outline. I've got my tools. Well, why is that? It's not because I'm disciplined. Right. It's because I'm passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So now to make money, you have to have passion, competency, character. You know, you got to get with the right people. So it's a, you can't just do passions. Right. But the the place to start for anybody is give yourself permission to just be honest. Just sit there and say, what do I love to do? What do I love? What do I don't love? And What do I love to do? And it's okay that if you're good at something to recognize that you don't love it. Because I think a lot of times people <clears throat> get hung up on, uh, one of the guests that we had on, I, I brought it up multiple times, is uh, Amber Day, who you know. Um, and she talked, I think it's called a multi-potentialite. I've been trying to remember mm-hmm. the terminology. But basically she got into, I think it was accounting. And she said that she had a teacher that told her, hey, you're really good at, at numbers. You're really good at math. Maybe accounting is going to be a great career for you. So she's like, okay, maybe you're right. And she saw some success in that put time and effort into it and I think actually got a degree in it and did it as a vocation where she was working for an energy company and making pretty good money. But then what you were talking about is she was drained all the time. It actually yeah. took the life out of her. I actually her. worked with Amber Yeah. Uh, through that decision-making process. Oh, really? And that's exactly what happened. Is This is the thing that about this tool or other tools is she had natural competencies, but it was draining. Yes. And you can't sustain that. Mm-hmm. The reason I left being playing the role of a senior or lead pastor is because I don't like to speak publicly. Yeah, I can do it, and I saw God do amazing things when I did it. Um, life changed happened, but when I gave myself permission to be honest, I don't like it. Yeah, which is a problem when you're the senior guy in a <laughs> microphone. And I did it for 28 years. Yeah, I spoke every week for 28 years at least three times a week and I just I don't like it well that taps into something that I know I've talked to you about is you you have for me it's that fear of basically starting over that like I've I've seen the success I put myself out there I'm doing well with it to the extent that I can support myself on it but I'm I'm so unhappy I know I need to change it and I'm being honest with myself but if I'm truly being honest with myself at the same time I'm saying I'm completely, like, I need to literally be okay with everything that I have going away. And that, for me, is probably the most, and you're smiling because you've heard me say this multiple times, that I don't want to start over. But I think that that's the, like, when people talk about fear, my true fear is that I go, I start over, and I have to just work and work and work all over again. And it's almost like what I did before was for nothing. Yeah, well, I disagree fundamentally with your term. Okay. You never start over anything, right? Because you we evolve. Mm-hmm. So, if you start a business ten years and lost your business, you're you may have to start over with a business, but you're not starting over in life. So the reason I, you know, now that I've been at it <clears throat> 10, 15 years, people say I'm a successful leadership coach. So I've been asking myself lately, well, how did I how did I pull this off? Because I really didn't know what I was doing. I had no model. This is being recorded, by the way, just so you yeah. know. <laughs> well, I do now. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's because all those years in ministry and conversations and not judging people 
and, and having the courage to speak truth into their life and then built on a framework of biblical principles, I had no idea all of that was going to be leveraged into my second career. Mm. But that's why I can do what I do. It's because of all those years. So I don't believe in starting over. But you, you, what I would say is you're, you're really trying to manage the, the risk, yes, the fear. So what I tell guys, here's the process I, I help them with. I get to know them, interview them, decide to take them on as a client. The, the first thing I have to do is help them understand their potential. So we, we may go three, four sessions, who knows? Mm -hmm. At some point when, when we start to get clarity on their potential, I call it vision. Right. So it's journey to vision. When we have it, it's vision. Mm -hmm. The very next phase is they have to find the courage to make a decision on what they now see. Mm -hmm. So one of the pitches, I, I get them in this corner and I say, look, we need to talk about which risk you're going to choose. Right. The risk of never experiencing your potential or the risk of the unknown mm -hmm. as you chase it. Yeah. But it's pick. <laughs> That's the old Yogi Berra quote. If you find it in the road, take it. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's because to me, what's the bigger risk? Now, I'm on the other side and I've successfully made it. Mm -hmm. But back then, let me tell you something. There were a lot of nights when I didn't sleep because I'm thinking about my two sons, my wife, and the bank that has allowed me to live in their house that I borrowed the money for. Yeah. They like their money every 30 days. And healthcare and, you know, on and on and on. So it's, it's vision always um, precedes fear. Would you say they're all, they almost kind of work hand in hand sometimes? But yes. But you, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. When you have vision, the next phase I'm going to have to coach you through is the fear of staying the same or the fear of chasing it. Yeah. Because now you see it. Absolutely. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up vision because uh, one of the things that I want to ask you about is because you do a lot of leadership coaching and everything else, or what, are some, what are some characteristics of leaders and are all, can anybody truly be a leader? And so when I was kind of preparing for this, I, was, I wrote down some things that I thought uh, were characteristics that I would classify as a leader. And I'm wondering if these are universal things or if, the, if anybody give, because everybody's different, right? You talked about everyone has their unique DNA and their unique set of um, skills and whatnot. But it seems like there's, there's definitely traits that, that successful leaders have. And so the ones I wrote down were things like integrity, ambition, focus, passion, purpose. I think vision would be one of those as well. But is it true that truly anybody, like if you don't have those things, but you have other things, you could be a successful leader? Or do, at some point, do you need to cultivate specific things like the common leadership characteristics to become a successful leader? Yeah, my definition, unfortunately, is much more elementary okay. than yours. So uh, what I say is, Evan, turn around. Is anybody following you? Uh -huh. Let's say you're a, uh, on an org chart. You're the low man on the, on the totem pole. No one's following you. But they're at your house. They're following you. Yeah. Your kids. Right. Your wife, etc. So to have this type of discussion, we have to figure out, well, what are we talking about? Mm -hmm. what, what is a leader? A leader is anyone that has somebody following them. So I think a, maybe an enhanced description would be, are you a good leader? Are you an okay leader, a bad leader, or are you a great leader? Right. You know, that's, those are the terms, I think. 
And then you've got to work <clears> on <throat> uh, the terminology of management. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between a leader and a manager? So I think anyone can be a leader. It's just how good they are. There are a lot of bad leaders that I get hired to come in to do. They got the chair, they got the title, and they're, they're at the top on the org chart, but the board has said, this is not a great leader. He's an okay leader, right. but we need a great leader. Mm -hmm. And because of the, the authority given to him, he's a leader and people are following him. They don't necessarily like him. Mm -hmm. He's not that effective, and he's not pushing the company towards the profitability they can make, but he's still a leader. Right. So when you start talking about what makes a great leader, that I can probably help you with. Okay, so looking at a great leader. Okay. Common characteristics. What are what are some of the things that a great leader has, or what are some of the things? Or is it is it truly possible to be a great leader, and not have vision, or and not have integrity, and or not have ambition? But maybe you have really good character and you have really good um, passion, but you're really weak on some of those other things. Is it still possible to be a good leader? Um, well, let's talk about what a great leader is from my chair. I work with some really amazing leaders across this country that just... I'm going to go ahead and put myself in that yeah. group. And uh, one of them sitting here with me today. Yes. Uh, but this, they all have some common characteristics. First and foremost, they see what other people don't see. Mm -hmm. They just see it. The second thing is they have some amazing ability or instincts to get people headed that direction. They just can get people to go with them. Mm -hmm. Some of them are super arrogant. Some of them are super servant. But I don't know how they use all that together, but when I walk into their company and start you know, meeting their VPs and their managers and directors in various levels, they follow this guy or this gal. I have some great female executives as well. Mm -hmm. So they see what other people don't see. They have the ability to rally folks to go there, and they work hard. They're really hard workers. Mm -hmm. So the ones that I enjoy working with are men and women of high character. Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't necessarily... I think you can be someone who is a bad character, i.e. Hitler. Yeah. Was he a great leader? I'm being recorded right now. Yeah. So the, <laughs> yeah. I would say history would prove that he had a lot of people following him based on your definition. Yes. Yeah, he got amazing. He got a whole country to do things. And we've got, you know, throughout the ages, we've got these monsters that that were evil. Right. That were able to do great leadership. They got people to do great, amazing things that's impossible to do. So when you start exploring what is leadership and what is great leadership, it, it's a great discussion. Yeah. What I would say are the basics are, you need to, to be able to see what other people don't see. Uh -huh. You have to have the courage to go for it. Because when you see it and other people don't see it, it takes courage to deal with the resistance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like the bell curve, you got early adopters, you got the so-sos, and you got the negatives. So a leader has to manage all of those as they're going. Mm -hmm. The third thing is you have to have an amazing ability to communicate. So communication is two ways. It's not an amazing ability to talk. It's an amazing ability to listen and communicate clearly. So I was with a client yesterday, and we're working on his communication. Are you clear? Are you consistent? And are you compelling? So whatever you're saying to your company, and we're using both written form and, and speaking form, I need you to be compelling about where we're going. 
And I need you to be consistent. Mm-hmm. You can't flip-flop, have a new vision every month. And you got to be crystal clear. When you stop speaking, everybody knows exactly what you just said. Yeah. So vision, you see what people see. You have to have the courage to go for it, whether anyone goes or not. And you have to have an ability to communicate. And then finally, the, the last one that I really push for is your ability to evaluate progress. Because you can get so high up at the executive level floor that you think we're moving forward and your company's not moving forward. So how do you evaluate that you're really progressing? Mm-hmm. Well, you just blew my, my talking points out of the water. I had. I think I, you have great talking I, points. I, I thought I had good ones on there and yeah, you totally yeah. flipped the script on me. Yeah. Courage, vision, commitment, evaluation. Communication. Or communication. Those are all fantastic things that I would say are things that can be developed. Um, but one of the things that you said that I, I don't know how you truly practice developing, and I'm, I'm wondering if you have an answer to this, is seeing what others don't see. You say that good leaders can see what others don't see, and, and I, guess I would tie that into the vision, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So how, how do you cultivate and exercise your vision muscles? Is, is that truly an intrinsic thing, or is that something that over time you can actually start to cultivate? Yeah, these are all... Skills and abilities, mm-hmm. I think they can all be developed, but just like in athletics, it doesn't matter how long you work on a particular skill, you can get better, but you're probably not going to play in the finals in the NBA. Yeah, There is that X factor called natural instincts, mm-hmm. and you're born with them. You can get better at all the things I just talked about, but then there are these people that just have it. Yeah, You either have it or you don't. And Matter of fact, yesterday with another client, we're talking about one of his presidents, and we, we both finally talked about the elephant in the room. This dude is good, faithful, loyal, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have, he doesn't have that edge you're going to need, you know, because we're looking at an acquisition thing, right? that you're going to need <clears throat> to lead that. And it's, it's very awkward. Wow. Because this guy's loyal, faithful. So how are we going to manage that? And it's everything that some the characteristics you're describing sounds like everything that you want in a leader, but they're missing the most important thing that he can't do anything or she can't do anything about. Well, companies and organizations change. Right. So sometimes you need to get rid of the catalyst leader, the mm-hmm. disruptive leader, and bring in a guy that's just going to sort of manage a little bit more and calm everything down, build up the systems and support. Yeah. Then there's other times where you've you've got to a very old, mature company, and you bring in a catalyst person mm-hmm. who starts changing everything. Yeah. So boards that have their, you know, that are dialed in to the needs of the company, they actually swap out leaders based on what they need. So guys that are have a good resume, I try to coach them on, do you know exactly how to pitch yourself? Right. So not only are you a leader, but what kind of leader and what kind of companies need you? That right there, I think most people unless you've had actually sat down with somebody to really put that down. I don't know that a lot of people could answer that question right off the bat. I mean, that's something that really takes some intentional time of soul searching and just really digging into who you are as a person to be able to make that. Because I think if I were to walk into a company right now, I think I'd have a decent idea, but I would, I would really need to take some time. And a part of it just might be my personality where I'm a planner. So mm-hmm. I would, I would want to really know going into it, this is what I'm, I'm going to put in front of somebody, but uh, I, I think that kind of what you said there puts the onus on us as leaders or potential leaders 
to recognize what your strengths are and like you said, be able to communicate those and how you'll be able to utilize those skills to help another company. Without doing that, you may have all the ability and skill in the world, but if you can't communicate it, nobody's going to see that and you're not going to be able to step into those roles that you really want to step into. Well, it takes humility. The first half of my career, I had a fair label of being arrogant mm -hmm. and self-centered, and I was. Uh, and part of that's a heart issue. Mm -hmm. Part of it was being afraid to be discovered. Um, guys that I, I'm <clears throat> most impressed with because they have such a radical clarity on really who they are, they're humble mm -hmm. in that they know they're not everything. So they've gotten over the, I'm not going to be Jesus or Superman. You know, whether you're secular or believer, so I give them, <laughs> I give them two options there for what, what their, their illustration is. But realizing you have, by God's design, limitations, you've got needs, you've just got stuff you're not that great at. Mm -hmm. So if you can give yourself permission to just be honest and say, what is it that I'm really amazing at? And it just comes natural to me, I'm passionate. And I call it I, the trifecta test. And I think I've talked to you about this. I think so. So when guys want me to explore this with them, you know, mm -hmm. they say, hey, I'm not only am I a leader, I want to know exactly what position on the field I should play where I'm just going to excel. Mm -hmm. So we have to go through the trifecta exercise. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I have them leave here and go do is I need a list of everything that you, that you are gifted at. You're not being arrogant or braggadocious. Mm -hmm. You're just being honest that, hey, I can do this stuff and I'm pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. So they make that list. We look at that list, they have, I have them explain it to me, and then I say, now take that list and identify a subset of things that you're really good at and your energy level goes up, mm -hmm. not down, when you spend time doing it. Mm -hmm. Then finally, we wanna to get to the third subset, what is it that you're really good at? You are naturally energized when you do it and God invades the process and you get results that you can't explain. Mm -hmm. It's just somehow he even goes beyond your talent. Right. That's when you begin to know you're starting to get in the zone of where God uniquely uses you. Mm. That right there I think is probably something that is a clear path to really dialing into, uh, Dave Jewett calls it your one degree, um, you call it the trifecta, but really figuring out your what you're good at and what your purpose and passion are. When you can get that combination and really dial into that, that's the people that I'm trying to highlight here. That, those are the people that, uh, you know, when we do these podcasts and we, we kind of uh, reach out to people that, we've, that are successful in, in different phases of life or whatever else, but it's essentially that person that's hit that trifecta. Mm -hmm. they, they've seen that level of success and they've been able to achieve things that sometimes are inexplainable because they're operating with all three of those elements. They're good at it, it gives them life, and ultimately it's something that you know, God miraculously uh, you know, does things above and beyond yeah. uh, what you would never expect. Um, I, can, I can think of you know, countless people that I've talked to that have just said, you know, I did all the work, I did everything else here, but then this happened, and that was a complete game changer. And it kind of goes into there's no such thing as luck. Luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And so the people that are that are willing to do the preparation are the people that are passionate about it, they're good at it, and it gives them life. 
And then that opportunity comes in, and that's where it really all comes together and really explodes. Every leader worth his salt. And these are guys that are, and gals that have really achieved something. Every single one of them, when we sit down and we, you know, we're not in professional mode. We're just in two people talking mode. Um, and I ask them about their journey. Every single one of them talks about being given favor. Yeah. So it's sort of the, I'm good, I'm just not that good. And they've come to truly accept that truth. That I hustle, I work, I practice, I got talent, I'm all in, high integrity, I'm just not that good. Yeah. And they give credit to favor, you know, for their success. Well, that's that humility that you talked yeah. about. We'll kind of end with this because I know we're getting short on time. Um, but you talked earlier before about how, you know, in the first half of your career, you were, you were kind of an arrogant leader. And... Uh, now that I know, I've known you for a couple of years now, I would not classify as you in, as an arrogant leader. So um, you, you're kind of on the other side of that, or I le- believe that you've achieved um, a point where you don't lead with arrogance. You may still deal with it, but it's, it's definitely not something that I would classify as a character trait that you have now. Um, so what does that other side look like? Because I know that when I was a, a, a younger business leader or when I was in management and those things, I was definitely arrogant, and I think a lot of guys deal with arrogance. So can you talk a little bit to kind of wrap it up? What does the other side of arrogance look like? When you have that humility, when you have the ability to realize that it's not all about you, um, what are the benefits of the other side? Because Well, yeah, the other side is confidence. Yeah. So fortunately, because I are one, I know one when I see one, mm-hmm. when I come across an arrogant leader, most of them are younger, mm-hmm versus older, but I do have some some hard heads in my <laughs> my bullpen right now and they're all over fifty. Yeah. You know, they they've got rude awakening coming. Um, when you're around people who are arrogant, you just don't want to be around them. Mm-hmm. They they take. They don't give. Right. They take. I'm better. Or they're always competing. Or um, there's just this unattractiveness about them. When you're around a confident leader, you can't get enough time with them. Right. And you always feel like you were invested in when you leave their presence because they're so comfortable and confident in who they are. They don't have to take from you mm-hmm. because their tank's filled up. They're confident yeah. in who they are. That's the, that's the difference for me is one, the, the arrogance, they're takers from the world. The confident leaders, they're the givers in the world. One you want to spend time with, the other one you want to hit in the head with a, a ball bat. That's Just awesome. Get them, get their eyes off themselves, you know that type of thing. So, I love that. Are you a taker or are you a giver? I mean, it, it it sounds so simple when you put it that way, but when you realize so much that's behind all of that, something as simple as self confidence, which can be interpreted as as arrogance, if you lead with that, why you're actually repelling people away from you by by embracing that characteristic. And if that's a characteristic that you have that you know you need to work on, just know that it's possible that you don't have as many people involved with you as you potentially could because your personality's driving you away. Dr. Baxter, Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time to to share with our audience, to share your expertise and your wisdom. Uh, Thank you for investing in me. Um, First and foremost, uh, you've taken a lot of your time to to put into my life and I wanted you to know uh, on the record that I I appreciate that uh, and I believe that I'm a better person because of that. So, With that, listeners, we'll catch you on the next podcast.
Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.